0: Rise up young man. Rise up, young lady. You are not alone. No matter what you're going through, it is going to pass. You're gonna come out the other side. Keep shining. Hey everyone, this is your boy Mamba, and I'm Khalid. Welcome to our intro episode for You Are Not Alone podcast. Uh, we are the co-host. And uh, like the title suggests, the, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles. Know that they are not alone and believe that they will come out on the other side. Remember, you're never
1: alone, and we're always in this together. Yeah. And that's what we're here to remind you. And we got some stories for you to remind you of that, and we want to share our stories too. Exactly. We got some great stories lined up. Uh-huh. Can we talk about that one time you ripped your pants at the gym?
0: damn, bro, why you have to do that right now? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I'm just kidding. We've got some better stories for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Sometimes I sit down with these people and I listen. I'm like, wow. I tell I struggle, but some people, some people have struggles out there, right? And the amazing thing is one thing I realized, bro, about, about these people is that the people that are always smiling, if you sit down and get to learn about their stories a little bit, You say, wow, you went through so much, but they so appreciate the experience. Usually, the people that are not smiling, it's just they're mad at some little things that doesn't (laughs) really matter. You know what I
1: mean? (laughs) Well, you know, they say, you know, struggle makes you appreciate every day. Uh, Without a little bit of struggle, you sort of take every day for granted. But once you go through something and uh, you overcome it and you come out on top, you end up appreciating every day after that. So, uh, you know. I think that's what some of these stories are going to tell. I think that's what our stories are going to tell, and I'm excited for this podcast.
0: Damn, that's real. That's real. So the goal of this intro, part, intro episode of this uh, new podcast, "You Are Not Alone," is to we're just going to share our story and uh, just get get us started. Because I'm so excited about the new the content that we are about to bring through this podcast.
1: Yeah, we. Uh, for most of you guys who don't know us, we have our Mamba Inspire brand. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, I think we also have a Facebook, so please check us out. This podcast is something new that we wanted to try. Um, but we have videos from two seasons worth of videos. We have an alphabet series. Uh, please go check those out, uh, along with uh, listening to the podcast going forward.
0: Yeah, it's on our YouTube channel. It's Mamba Inspire brand. Now we're getting a little bit popular. You can't, all you have to do is type in Mamba Inspire. You should, you should be able to see it. Awesome. Yeah. So, what's your story, bro? Me?
1: Oh man, I don't a long talk story. about the
0: gym, bro. Ah. <laughs> you know you don't go to the gym.
1: No. When I grew up, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be an NBA star, and then I was just too short. Um, and so that, that was my struggle in life. i just wasn't <laughs> tall enough to do it, you know
0: yeah.
1: uh, No, I'm kidding. Um,
0: N- now you're tall a little bit. You're like five, uh, you know, five foot. I would look like an far. Isaiah
1: Thomas you know? <laughs> 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 Who around all those other giants doesn't always look like the biggest person, but you know you can't question his heart And uh, mm. I think that's something I can say for myself too is a lot of heart a lot of dedication a lot of passion so uh I, I, I came to the States when I was two uh, and, and I I, my family didn't speak English, we we're sort of, we we're from Somalia, and so we we're escaping war, uh, coming to a new country, um, adjusting to new customs, trying to assimilate, trying to manage different identities, uh, I'm almost so Muslim, uh, and in 2001 was a rough time for Muslims as we know, um, and, and to this day I don't think we fully recovered uh, mm-hmm. from disassociating Muslim with terrorists, and I think that's something that we're working on, and so, you know, I've, and I'm also African American, right, uh, and so these are and at the same time, I've got a Somali culture that I have to balance. And so managing identities has always been a challenge of mine. Um, but growing up, you know, coming over as immigrants, you don't really have much. Um, but you try to make the most of every day. And so that's what my family did. And, uh, and now I'm here, 25 years old, uh, studying uh, for my Ph.D. in civil engineering. And um, I'm, you know, grateful for every day, as I said, you know, overcome some of the greatest obstacles, learning English, uh, learning to survive without anything, um, not having money, growing up without any money, um, growing up without resources, trying to find mentors um, where, who, who can relate to some of the experiences that I was going through. Um, and all these were just challenges that made me tougher, uh, made mm-hmm. me uh, appreciate every day a little more. And so I'm looking forward to hearing some of these other stories. I know they trump mine in terms of uh, difficulties and, and obstacles, but at the same day, uh, I mean, at the same time, everyone has stories, and I think these stories are important for us to share with each other, um, to remind each other that we're not alone. And so, um, mm-hmm. please tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Mama. Do you, I know you've got a fascinating story? No, wait, wait, uh, wait. Um, when did you,
0: wh- when did you start feeling, feeling like the struggle? I know you always grew up in the struggle, but right. the thing about our culture is we always, we have family around, and it's sometimes like the, the happiness around us makes us feel less struggle, no right, much right, right. struggle. When did you start feeling, and when did you know it's time to to hustle?
1: You know, you say you mentioned that, and, and it reminds me something that I always say is that my whole life I've been poor, um, but I didn't know that I was poor until I saw it on a piece of paper. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> because uh, my family, like you said, did such a great job of ensuring that you know I had what I needed in terms of love and support that you never really ever felt like you didn't have anything um, until I got to college. You know, you you get to college, you're a freshman, you're in this environment full of a lot of privilege and a lot of um, people who don't look like you, who can't relate to you. Um, You come from schools that didn't prepare you as well um, as you would have liked. And so you get thrown into this fire and you're expected to come out the other side a survivor. Um, And honestly, my first couple of years of college, I really struggled, Um, I couldn't find I couldn't find peace because, one, I was struggling academically, and two, I was struggling socially. You know, not having friends, not having people around me. Uh, Coming from high school, where it was about 25% African-American, and and so always having friends and people who looked like you, who pushed you, um, was very important. And so, I got to college, and I felt like I was alone for the first time in my life. Um, And and, you know, people who come from our backgrounds, our parents can't really do much for us in terms of helping us navigate that that time in our lives except, you know, constantly say you got to keep working hard. Yes, sir. Um, and so yes, sir. <laughs> it, it, sometimes it makes you feel like you're not working hard enough, but, you know, you, you, you have to understand that it's coming from a place of love
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and a place of uh, ignorance because they don't understand, you know, what it's like to be a college student, but mm-hmm. they want you to know that they support you, but at the same time, they want to push you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I think being a freshman and a sophomore in college, uh, especially in engineering, um, It it was sort of a wake-up call for me that, that, you know, you do have times in this world where you feel like you're alone, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and you do have times in this world that remind you that you're different and that you're you're gonna have struggles and obstacles that are different from others. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my first spring break in college, I was so excited to go work um, make some extra money, you know, so one week, but I mean a week I can make $400, $300 mm-hmm. if I go do something, um, work hourly, whereas all my friends are talking about all their trips that they're about to take and <laughs> how their is about to, you know, travel travel around the world for spring break or they're about to go and hit the beach or go mm-hmm. to Miami, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I gotta make an extra $400 mm-hmm. um, so I can have some clothes and some food and I can go hang out mm-hmm. when people want to hang out,
0: so. Or just to help uh, family, to help pay that, right? Y- you know, you that's know? the
1: other thing, right, uh, I- I'm fortunate enough to where I had a full-ride scholarship, but but that meant to my family that I was helping them get a full right through life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you also have to balance uh, familial needs uh, at the same time balancing your own needs and, and prioritizing your own success. I think choosing to go to grad school is one of the most selfish de- decisions that I've ever made in my life. Um, it was against my family's uh, wishes. Um, they, you know, they would rather me had to, Finished with my engineering degree, started my career, and, and helped out more at home. Um, but in hindsight, I think they're very proud of me uh, for making this decision uh, mm-hmm. and being here and, and doing my thing. Because now they understand that I'll be in a better position, you know, a few years from now to, to able to be able to help them um, mm-hmm. by making the selfish decision. Yes, so. sir.
0: Sacrifice early to have the long run set up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so, That's amazing. I'm very happy. Um, And, you know, all praise due to God, you know, for where I am today, um, I actually feel like the distance of being here in Texas away from family Mm -hmm. um, has brought me closer to family. I call home more um, than when I was there. And I actually have conversations with my parents and my siblings um, and my grandparents. Whereas when I was in Portland, you know, it's like we rarely see each other. And when we did, it was for a quick minute Mm -hmm. or, you know, it was very brief and not very interpersonal. Um, Whereas now I think, calling home is this sort of a ritual to mm-hmm. where we, we, we go below the surface and actually ask each other how we're doing and, and try to figure out what's going on in our lives. So.
0: Yeah. It's been good. That's good. But, but bro, tell me how you survive like, with 12... 11 siblings, uh, <laughs> they, you get whooped every day, <laughs> Man, 11, those boys are strong,
1: no, you really learn how to share, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that's the big thing about growing up in a big family, it really prepares you for life, because everything becomes about sharing, mm-hmm. um, your purpose is always bigger than yourself, um, you always are making sure that if you're eating, that somebody else is also eating. Um, That you're not eating alone. Um, You know, you if you're if you're doing well, you got to make sure to pick up your brother, make sure he's doing well, make sure your sister's doing well. And so it's it's a constant. uh, One at one in one instance, it's a support system. At the other side, it's that you have to be a role model,
0: Um, and
1: you definitely have to always strive for more because there's people under you and above you watching you and watching you every step. So it is. Eleven siblings was. A Thrill for me, I mm-hmm. loved it. Um,
0: that's amazing, that's real. And uh, I,
1: don't leave your food in the fridge, you won't <laughs> do that tomorrow. <no. laughs> but other than that, it was good, yeah.
0: But yeah, when I there's a you can see that through people's eyes uh, pe- people who know that about sharing and people who always know about getting their own right, right. when we met. The fact that we all know, uh, love sharing, lo- love helping people. That's how we connected and started doing the things we are doing. Definitely. That's amazing, bro. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: What about you? You coming over from Africa? How many kids <laughs> made fun of your accent? They still do it?
0: Good. Right. <laughs> but the girls like it. Ah! <laughs> okay. Hey, but, uh, yeah, I, I was born in Guinea, West Africa. I grew up there until I was 13. Uh, my father sat me down when I was twelve, around twelve, told me that there's this opportunity for you to go to be able to go to the United States and uh get an education. So you're going to Senegal to try to get a visa. And uh people always ask me like how did you feel when your dad sit you down and tell you like you're about to leave your family. I'm like, I was excited to come to the US, right? So it didn't hit until when I was about to leave, uh, March 11, 2011. I still remember the tears in my mother's eye, thinking that I was too young to face the world alone, right? I still remember my little sisters looking at me like I was wondering who's going to protect my little brother when I leave, right? <laughs> I remember turning back and uh, heading toward the plane for the first time. I didn't know what it was. I was like. I, I was excited, but I couldn't look back and see my mother cry because I, I was crying. And I didn't want her to think that I was scared. You well, know? Right. Then I came, when I arrived here, I left all my family, everybody I know, and uh, came to the US and met a whole new family. My uncle took me in. And uh, he put me into school at Deja Veleven. But the two days later, I remember coming back home. What you said, I didn't have any friends. Like, I didn't know the language. I. It was a whole new atmosphere. The food was different. Everybody was sleeping over to 12 a.m. I was looking at the window, like, thinking, <laughs> what the heck am I doing here, you know?
1: Y- you're telling me your English has gotten this good in eight years?
0: Well, I'll let you decide
1: that. Yeah, you, you've written college essays. You've written scholarship essays. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh-huh. when you are put, when you are put, like hold against a wall, and there's nothing else you can do. You have to do whatever you have to do to get where you're supposed to be, right? That's real. You only you only choose between two things if you have two options. If uh-huh. you only have one option, you have one option. That's why many people, I have when I came and found Laro, uh, my soccer team was full of Latino friends who came from uh, from uh, Mexico or other other countries, Guatemala. And uh, I was able to learn English faster than them, not because I was smarter. It's just because they had more people around them to speak Spanish. Right, 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 right. They wasn't forced to learn English. For me, nobody spoke French. That's my first language. So I had to make sure I speak something. That's how I started learning a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> I started learning a little yeah. bit of English. But I remember that night uh, thinking that I had two options. I was 11. I was 13 years old, and I thought to myself, Either I can make excuses that my family, everybody I know is 5,000 miles away and fail, give up or I can be a man now and start building my legacy. The way I saw it is like instead of starting at 18 or, or 22 after I graduated from college, at 12 I had the option to lead my own life and it goes wherever I want to go. That's when I started hustling, right, doing things. but. I did not, as you said, the family uh, was always around me. It was always a nice family, a a nice atmosphere, right? Like, I did not feel any struggle. When I was in high school, I was able to learn uh, the basic of English in six months, be able to get into the competition. One motivation was that if I wanted to play sports, I needed to make good grades, all A. Right, right, right. African parents all yeah, make that. sure they <laughs> do that. So I was able to evolve into soccer, uh, track, and uh, I played even football, because I really loved the discipline, the leadership, the camaraderie, right? And uh, one thing I know for sure is that I didn't have parents who could help me uh, pay for college. I need to find a way. And for me to do that, I needed to hustle hard. No, not just in the sports, but high school, even though I didn't know English. Since I didn't know, since I wasn't the best in English, I knew I had to work three times as hard as everybody else were taking the SAT to make sure I have good enough score, right? And thankfully, I was able to do that with God's blessing. I was able to receive the same scholarships you receive, which uh-huh. is the Gate Millennium Scholar uh-huh. that gave us a full ride, UT. Shout out to uh, Uncle <laughs> Bill and uh, Auntie Melinda. We call him Papa Gate. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. Every day I'm always, uh, I'm surprised uh, by the opportunities I get. One thing that my father told me, when I was leaving Guinea, my father didn't give me any, any materi- anything materialistic, right? He, he said, you are going to your uncle and he's gonna be your new dad, which in our culture is okay. But one thing my parents gave me was always discipline. And they always emphasize the fact that if you keep working hard, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? And uh, I am a crazy believer of hard work. No matter how, how smart I get, no matter how wiser I get, I feel like I have to work hard. And sometimes my failure, I feel like is. A result because I didn't work hard enough right well for 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 people
1: who who are out there and who don't understand or um, aren't really clear on what it looks like to work hard you know that, that's a common term everyone says I want to work hard or you should work hard what does that look like for you what did that look like for you or so
0: one thing I, I mean I want I realize is it's not about like doing too many things right it's not about doing having a high quantity of load it's about having a quality of load right uh, there are some you sitting down, you think about what you're supposed to do. And, uh, you have something in mind, right? right? If you are not doing that, I mean you're not working hard enough, right? You are, you can't do something smarter, which is okay, right? Instead of doing, like, but there are things that you need to do, but don't procrastinate. Just make sure you do them, like... Working hard sometimes means sacrificing some things you love to get the things you need done right? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah, i think about high school you know playing sports you had to sacrifice a lot of weekends a lot of uh, a lot of evenings mm. cause you have practice five days a week and then you typically play games on weekends and so yeah. there's a lot of hangout time there that you're sacrificing because the little bit of free time you have in between practice and sleep and eating is uh... used for homework right mm-hmm. um, so yeah it sacrifice doesn't, plays a huge role
0: exactly it doesn't mean don't have fun for sure because I remember um, I like having fun, right? When I go to, to parties, I have fun, right? But nowadays, considering that I have a lot of things I want to get done, I have limited that, right? But the times that I have to, to do that, I make sure I do that very, like, I do it well, right, right. right? And then, but I hurry up and get back to work, right? That's why they say party hard, play hard, play hard, yeah. <laughs> work hard. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Work hard, play harder, yeah. or or play and work Something harder. Something
0: like that. <laughs> We're messing up here,
1: but oh, yeah. that's alright. No, that's that's uh, that's an awesome story. So where are you
0: at now uh, in, in your journey? So I am. Uh, this is my fourth year as a chemical engineering here at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, I plan to to go to medical school. Uh, I'm taking. Uh, I plan to take my MCAT next semester and start applying for medical school. Uh so I, I have had some internship in chemical engineering. I love solving problem all my life. I, I have loved solving problem riddles to working with computer parts and stuff like that. But one thing I realised there is one thing, instead of thinking about what what's my what's my career goal would be, I think about what's my life goal, who I want to be remembered for, right? And uh, just working for a company and helping me develop is something fun, but I feel like that's not my calling, right? There's something missing in that, right? As a medical, as a doctor, I can't solve problems. I can't do that, but I also can have a direct impact over my patients. Oh, and right. that's the small part that makes the difference for me, right? That I feel like that's what my calling. But beside that, I also the fact the fact also that I know, my my goal is not to just have a career is to have a, a life of helping people i love helping people all my life i saw people i saw my father as a doctor in guinea who doctors doesn't make a lot of money in guinea they they are doctors to help people he he, he divided our house into two and uh, to have a clinic on one side because in guinea if you don't have money you don't have hospital access right, right so right. He, people come to the clinic where he can't help them Right so all my life I've been told that helping people that's where I get my happiness when I help people so right. so I feel like even being a doctor is not the end of it I, I want to help people as much as I can I have a deep passion of helping people and so right now I'm one of the founder of a non-profit organization that help provide mensual pads to women in countries in uh, in uh, in africa uh, african country starting with guinea my country and the hope of expanding right and we started we started mamba inspire so we can help people we know there are people out there who have harder struggles than us right? Right, right people right. out there who feel like sometimes that they are lonely i felt lonely you felt lonely at one point
1: Most definitely
0: there was somebody who were able to help us to to bring us out right, right. so our goal is to to be able to provide that like widely one person at a time but impact help people know that they are not alone no matter the struggle they are and at the end of the day if they keep pushing they're gonna come out at the other end and shine
1: definitely and we, we're all in this together right we gotta uh lift each other up and, and then pull each other out so i no, definitely agree that's a very fascinating story um and i think you know this is just a preview of what's to come mm-hmm. right on I'm, I'm and, and this podcast and. Uh, we definitely appreciate you guys supporting us, listening to us. Um, if you guys have any suggestions you know we have social media, please drop us a line. Mm-hmm. if you want to be featured on the show, please contact us we We love um, hearing stories and we love sharing people's stories so um, that's what I want to end with is 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 uh, is just to put a message out there that this is this doesn't stop now this is just the beginning
0: Yes sir i don't have anything else to add all right I think that's it.
1: Dang, that's a new one.
0: He doesn't have anything to (laughs) add.